Good morning. Glad you're here. If uh, I was thinking if there's more time, I could put together a little dance to do to that music. As I, but you know, it would be, be a little more than you could take, so I'm going to spare you that, even though there's one week left. I just thought of that. So, Really glad you're here. We're digging into a message series on time. Uh, today we're going to look at how to organize for opportunity or the need to do that. Over the last few weeks, I just want to briefly summarize where we've been and then get to where we're going today. Uh, we've, we looked first week at perspective. Time is limited. Life is really about God who is unlimited. And our lives are too short for it to be about us. So it's, it's about him. Then the next week, we looked at priority. The key to getting more done is doing the most important things first. And then last week, we talked about planting or investing chunks of time, segments of time, in good things. And as you do that, it has cumulative value like compounding interest. Today, we're going to talk about careful planning. Careful planning to make the most of the opportunity and how this works in the flow of, of life. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The wise plan carefully so they don't waste their time. That's obviously something we grab out of this passage, and I'd like you to watch this video with me. Saving time ain't easy. What are you talking about, and what is that smell? Ah, Using my unused minutes. I can use them later. (laughs) Who told you that? Nobody. I figured it out by myself. Oh, what do you mean by unused? You know, like when I was playing video games, or surfing the web at work, sleeping in. Unused minutes. No, those are wasted. You already used them. They're used. Oh, well, what's this heavy bucket about? More wasted time. I'm feeling sick. Me too. Wasting time stinks! Where are you going? I need a nap. (laughs) Well, he got the idea, but didn't do much about it. We want to try to avoid that. Um, The present is right now. As soon as I finish that sentence, it's in the past. That's the way life flows, from moment to moment to moment. And it goes by, and we're encouraged in verse 15, to be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. In this context, what it's saying is scope it out, look ahead, think about your life. Think about it as it flies by, as it's going by. Don't just let it flow. It's limited. We only have a certain amount of time on this earth. Don't just let it go by. We're going to run out someday, and we want to make an investment with the time that we do have. Be very careful in the Greek that that was originally written in this passage. It it is the word akrobos, the Greek word akrobos, and <clears throat> that's the word we get our uh, that we get acrobat, our word English word acrobat from, and. The, the idea is you, you never see a careless acrobat because a careless acrobat is a dead acrobat. 
So you, we, we want to, if you waste time, it's dead. It's dead to you. You lose it. It's going by. So rather than just letting our lives fly by, we need to give thought to what we're going to use them for, how we're going to use them wisely. Diligent planning moves you forward. Something you find in Scripture, Proverbs 21.5. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. If, if you don't plan your time, others will plan it for you. And if you don't plan your time, circumstances will drag you around like a rag doll. You're just going to get pulled from one direction to the other, and one way and the other, and pulled apart, really. Something that's really helped me is to, uh, when I went to a time seminar, I've been to a few of them, and every time I go to a seminar on how to use your, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> sorry about this, every time I go to a seminar on how to use my time wisely, I think that's it. That's the idea that is going to help me save the world. <laughs> and I go, okay, I can get a handle on this. I can bring it and reel it and, you know, I can get it. I can compartmentalize my life. I can figure this out. But something that really helped me was I went to this seminar and it said the key block of time that you want to look at is a week. And you look at your week, the week that's coming up on Monday morning, Sunday night, whenever. You look at the week and you think about what has to happen that week in order to accomplish the goals that you have. You need, you need some time, probably six months to a year, every six months to a year, to look at life and what you're trying to do um, with that, what God wants. Look at your goals, set, set your priorities for that, that year, and then kind of check in constantly, you know, at at monthly or quarterly interviews, intervals, but you're, you're, anyway, you're looking at a week and you plan the week. Now, I have a standard week in my calendar. I have a standard week. And there are certain things that I do every week and I have those blocked out. And the way my time is, nobody tells me what to do with my time every week. I just, I have a, like a 168 hours that I have to figure out what I'm going to do with. And so I have a standard week, and, and I have certain things I do on certain days. That's when I do them. I have meetings that take place, all that. I have a standard week. And, and I look at the week, and I think about what do I have to get done, and then I block out the other parts of the time that, that fit around the standard week. And then I try to live it. It takes about an hour a week, 15 minutes a day, just check, checking in on that. But... Trying to carefully plan, trying to think through, how am I going to use this week to accomplish what God's given me to accomplish? That, that was very helpful to me. If you take the time to do that, it really helps. But we, we need to remember as we do that, diligent planning helps us move forward. But we need to make sure that we're careful to choose results over busyness. It's very easy to... Feel happy about being busy. You know, we just don't want to sit around. Proverbs 13, 19 says, A longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but fools detest turning from evil. The way it works is this. We plan our week, and then we have to constantly reassess what we planned. 
And we've got to constantly make adjustments. That word evil in Proverbs 13, 19, it means to spoil. Literally, to spoil by breaking into pieces. And this is how life goes. This is how plans are. They constantly fall apart. Like the guy on the A-team. You know, I love it when a plan comes together. And that's, that's not very often. You know, we do, we do love that. We love it when the plan comes together. Entropy happens. It just keeps happening. Plans keep unraveling so we can never go on autopilot. That's one of the things that happens to me at those time seminars. I go, I'm like, this is great, man. This guy's got life figured out. I could put everything in this little box and be happy. And I like to come up with my plan so I can check out and go on autopilot. But we can't do that because entropy keeps happening. Things keep unraveling. Things keep falling apart. We need to step back in our minds and evaluate the situation. I was a spot welder for a while at General Motors, and then I lost my job. And in trying to get another job, I went to try to get a MIG welding job, very different kind of welding. Uh, the level of skill required to be a spot welder is, can you hold this, can you move it here and squeeze the trigger? That's about all it takes. But I went to, to take this interview for MIG welding. And what I, the guy goes, okay, well, let's give you a test. You know, it looks like you're smart enough. <laughs> so let's give you a test. So put the big hood on my face. Got this square thing, you know, really dark uh, glass thing that you look through. And you're, you're taking this little tiny beam of heat. And you're, you're trying to weld the two things together. And they wanted to see if I could weld a straight line. And I'm, I'm welding the straight line, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking, all right, that looks good. I take the hood off, and that line is about as crooked. I mean, it was all over the place. But that's what we have to do. We have to keep stepping back and looking at how our time's going. What's going on with the plan? How's it turning out? The key to living wisely is to stay focused on the outcome and not hold on. A fool is the one that detests turning from evil. It, it, the, the fool is the one who detests turning when the thing's unraveling. And you've actually chosen the wrong thing to focus on. You just A, a foolish person squeezes tight and hangs on to his plan, even when it's unraveling. A longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul. To, to, have, you know, to have the picture of, of what we want God to do in our lives and through our lives, and to see that come together, that is sweet to the soul. There's, there's a depth of us that, that really is touched as we are used for that purpose. And as we see, so you, we've got to stay focused on the results, not, not just try to be busy. The wise, the second thing we learned from Ephesians 5 is, the wise look for opportunity in the midst of challenge. Ephesians 5.16 says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Evil. Another translation says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That, that's actually a literal translation of the Greek word, redeeming the time. It's an accounting term. To redeem something is to buy it back, to, to, to um Redeem it is to use it wisely. And it, and account, it, it means, this is what the term means. Make sure that you cash in your time for something of equal value. That, that's what we're supposed to do. 
We're to make the most of every opportunity. Our time is a limited asset, just like our money. There is more reason to make the most of our time because the days are evil. There's that, there's that idea again that <clears throat> there is a current that flows in our culture and every culture to some extent or the other that is pulling us in the direction that causes us to waste our time and lives. It, it leads us to neglect the most important things. And since the days are evil... We should expect trouble and problems. Just ask Murphy. I don't know who Murphy is, but you know Murphy's law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. That's that's not entirely true. Because not anything that can go wrong goes wrong. But there is trouble. And we don't need to be pessimistic, but we need to be realistic and realize as we make our plan that we're going to have to adjust our plan. The days are evil. There's a gravitational pull that is pulling us toward the less important things. And it it wrecks havoc as we set out to live our lives. So we're to make the most of our opportunity because of that. As as we think about our time, we need to arm ourselves with some, some right perspectives. First of all, problems are opportunities in disguise. James 1 says, Count it all joy, my brethren. When you meet various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in, in nothing. We're going to have trials. For, uh, in First Peter, he says, don't be surprised when a trial comes to you, when you're experiencing that. But often what we do is we, we waste time and get upset and wallow in frustration over the delay or the difficulty, and it sidetracks us. It's a lot of, we waste a lot of time. What is frustrating you right now? What, what is a source of frustration, just, you know, that, that level of frustration where you can, it's, it's in the back of your mind and you, you're, you're feeling it kind of in here. You can, you can feel the frustration. It's just, ooh, you know, it's, it's going on. What is frustrating you right now? Is it a friendship? Is it a family relationship? In, in parenting, it's interesting. The problem that you're frustrated over with your child, that's an opportunity. That's exactly where you need to invest some time. At, at work, the problem that you're trying to solve is the very thing that's going to help you get moving forward. It's the opportunity. Not only is it the opportunity in parenting and work and in other ways, but God uses the trouble to shape some things in us that will not be shaped any other way. Steadfastness, endurance, which is something that we need across the board in life. We, we need that. He's working uh, to increase our faith, to produce his character in us, and so he, he doesn't waste these things. But problems are really opportunities in, in disguise. With your finances, you may be frustrated. That may be something you're frustrated with. God is trying to get to your heart with your finances. If you'll stop, sometimes we just think, well, uh, God, would you wave your magic wand over my finances and fix them? 
and we don't want to think about it. We don't want to really know reality. But if you'll stop and face it and then let God speak to you through it, that's an opportunity to do some things that will really help you over the long haul. That's, that's the way life flows. This problem right here and now at school, in your marriage, in your friendship, is the opportunity for God to work and make it good. And that's, that's what he does. God, to say that God's in control of what's going on in the world doesn't mean that we're robots and he chooses for us. But it means that he takes our choices and he weaves them together for his good. So problems are opportunities in disguise. God uses another thing. God uses the time crunch to increase my faith. I, I don't know about you, but when I look at a week that's going to require 80, 90 hours of work to accomplish what needs to be accomplished, and then there are other responsibilities I have I've got to weave in there and work out and take care of. I just want to start whining. <laughs> yeah, this is horrible. Woe is me. St. Corinthians 1 says, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sense of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Now, Paul, in 2 Corinthians 11, he described some of the things he was going through when he wrote this, or what he had been through. Just in, He was only trying to help extend the kingdom, serve God, be good for people, extend the kingdom. He ran into all kinds of difficulty and delay. He was beaten three times, left for dead. He was stoned once, and that doesn't mean he got high. That means, that means they threw rocks at him to try to kill him. So I'm sure he was pretty close to death uh, when he was stoned. Um, he was shipwrecked and spent a night and a day in the open sea, floating around in the open sea. That's, that's difficult. He was constantly in danger and on guard from all directions without food and clothes, and it goes on and on, his description. This happened so that he would rely on God. The, the pressure, under great pressure, felt like he was about to pop. That all happened so he'd, he'd learn to depend on God. And that's the same with your schedule. God, with, with the schedule as it weighs on you, the time crunch. Don't resent it, but ask God to help you in the middle of it to handle it and to do it right and to do it well to the best of your ability. Set your heart to be faithful. Ask him for help constantly as you're going through it. When you start to wear thin, get tired, and you want to quit, ask God for help. Ask him to give you the strength you need. He will give it. If you'll depend on him, he will give it. And then another thing is to be willing to flex for God's purpose. Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I like what Chuck Smith said, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. And that, that is true. Sometimes we need to let go of our plan to make the most of an opportunity right in front of us. I love my ruts. 
I like my standard week. I'm yet to live one of them. <laughs> I just like to live a standard week. But that never happens for me, and I, I, would like, I, I would say it'll never happen for you. It's great to plan, and it's, it's great to, to know what your plan is, and to most of the time be able to do that at a certain time. But it's going to get blown apart. Your plan's going to get blown apart, so we need to learn to be flexible. Watch out, because ruts are more comfortable than growth, and God is more interested in your growth than he is in your comfort. And so he's going to keep shaking things up so that you'll learn to depend on him. Interruptions and opportunities to serve and help people are many times appointments from God. And if you squander them, you miss the real opportunity in the day. You've just missed it. So don't dismiss those. Set your heart on God's purpose. Because God's purpose is going to prevail anyway. That's what it says. And that's going to happen. His purpose is going to come. So set your heart on God's purpose and allow him to mold you. And you choose to mold your life around that. You, you choose to let him mold you and your life around that. Accept legitimate interruptions. We need to guard against illegitimate interruptions. There are times when we need to turn the cell phone off. We need to ignore calls. We need to focus on what's going on so that I can get this done. This is my responsibility, something God has laid on my plate that I have to take care of. And we need to do it. We need to block out interruptions. But there are legitimate interruptions and opportunities that come along that if we keep dismissing them because we're trying to keep life in this compartment right here. This, Sorry, that can't happen right now. I'm in this compartment. Leave me alone. I'm doing this. We're going to miss life itself. We're, we're going to miss real opportunities to do what God's called us to do. So that... That's important. Be willing to flex for God's purpose. Life is about learning to handle the flow in a way that helps us make the right kind of progress. So we plan. We come up with a schedule. And then in that schedule, we let God arrange things and be flex before him. The last thing Ephesians 5 says is that the wise at least the last thing in what we're looking at today, the wise understand and aim to do God's will. Ephesians 5.17 says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. God has a will for us. He has a plan for you and I. He, he has some things that he wants us to do while we live on this earth. And sometimes we get we look at our schedule and we think, How am I going to get this done? You and I have exactly enough time. One of those seminars I went to, (laughs) I heard this. You and I have exactly enough time to do what God wants us to do. And we do. We we have exactly enough time. Everybody gets the same amount. And in our 24 hours a day, we have the same amount of time everybody else does, and we can do what God wants us to do. So what is that? What is God's will? Um, First of all, God wants you and I, as we live on this earth, to begin and grow a friendship with him. That's the first thing. He made us, Ephesians 1 says, that God made us to love us. 
And then Acts 17 says he, he wants us to seek him. He, he made us to love us. He, he created us, and he made human beings different from every other part of creation. He gave us the capacity to relate to him. So he made us so that we could have this real friendship with him, where he loves us, which is obvious. He gave us life, gave us the things that he's give, we have to enjoy. He loves us, but he wants us to love him back. He made us to love us, and he wants us. Here's the problem. Sin has broken our friendship with God. Sin breaks our friendship with God. It breaks us off. And I, a long time ago, I learned the Roman road to salvation. I memorized some verses to help me know the road and help other people understand the road to salvation. And they're, they're verses from the book of Romans and the Bible. And uh, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. That breaks our friendship with God. Romans 6.23 says, the first part of it says, For the wages of sin is death. It's cut us off from knowing God personally. It's cut us off from that friendship with him. Um, because he loves us, God pays for our sin. He paid the price. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even while we were sinners, even though we didn't love him back, even though we went independent, went on our own, he, he, he paid for the, our sin, the rebellion, on the cross and the death of Christ. Romans 6.23, the second half of that verse says, The wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our, our Lord. We begin our friendship with God by admitting our rebellion and letting him rule our lives. That, when your, day, uh, your days on the earth, that's the number one thing God hopes for you. He wants you to seek him and find him. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tell us how to turn from our rebellion and go his way. It says, because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that, that's the key. If you have questions about that, if you're investigating what it means to commit your life to follow Christ or connect with God in a friendship like that, uh, Alex mentioned a base camp. That's a great thing to go to. You get the, the whole story laid out and have a chance to dialogue with Neil Walker over that. That's a, that's a really good thing. But once you begin a friendship with God, then the very core of your life is to grow that friendship. Then, then we want to grow it. Philippians 3, 7 and 8, and then verse 10 says, well, Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him. In his death. So that's the core of our life, to begin and grow a friendship with God. Second, to help him advance his kingdom, to do our part to advance his kingdom. A heart to do that flows out of the friendship with God. And then third, to be faithful with my responsibilities. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, It is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Uh, another translation for those who have been given a trust is a steward. We have stewardships. We have uh, responsibilities that have been handed to us 
in life. And we're to be faithful with all the things God has given us. Faithful. Which means doing my best to help the things God has given me and trusted me with, my stewardships, helping those to flourish and grow toward the goals God has for them. That's, that's God's will. He, he gives us life. He, he puts us in a family so that we can learn to do our part, to play our role, to help the family flourish and do what God wants. He gives us work to do so that we can try to figure out how can I work in a way that honors him and blesses him and pleases him. He gives us a ministry. He wants us to serve, to try to help people. He wants us to serve, to try to help the congregation move forward. How do I do that to the best of my ability? How am I faithful in that? He wants us to grow personally. To, to, he gives us money that we're to handle. So that's God's will, to do our best with the stewardships he's provided. We get into Scripture and we discover the goal that God has for these things. That's why we need to stay in the Bible. Because if you get in the Bible, you begin to learn what God wants. And there's so many layers to it, you never exhaust your understanding of God's will. There's just all kinds of layers. So you get in and it just keeps coming alive and you keep learning about God and what he wants in this life. Now, what do we normally say about priorities? We, we normally list our priorities, don't we? Here's priority one, two, three, four, five, six. We normally list them. And something I've realized is that the common way of viewing priorities can be confusing. Like, say these are the priorities. God and his kingdom, family, second, personal growth, third, four, work, five, ministry. It starts getting convoluted right there. Well, what should go first? Work, ministry, personal growth, money. Money's important. That's recreation, I kind of like. So when you look at it that way, it starts getting a little confusing. Like if I'm going to put God first, does that mean that I need to give him more time than I give to anything else? Like I, I work about 40, 45 hours a week. Should he get 50? What do I do with that 50? Do I pray? Do I hang out at the church? Uh-oh, Church of the Valley doesn't have a building. Do I go to the office? The office is kind of crowded. Okay, we can't we can't have that many people at the office. It just sort of... You look at, okay, the family. Family's number two, but I spend 40 hours a week at work, and we've got all this stuff we're doing. What, do I just try to carve out the time to, give enough, to play board games with the family? Because honestly, there's not a lot we can do after so much time together. We just play board games. What about the ones that can't even read? You know, I mean, how, do we, how do we work this out? It gets confusing. And so we stack priorities, and one of the dangers of stacking your priorities like that is you start to spiritualize everything because you feel guilty about the time that you're giving to God or not giving to God. And the truth is, God doesn't have a secular or sacred split in life. He doesn't say, this is secular and this is sacred. All of life is important to God. He he gave us life. And he wants us to work to his glory. He wants us to live in our families for his purpose and for his glory. He wants to grow. He wants us to grow, to minister, to handle our money, to, rec- to do our recreation in a way that brings honor and glory to him. So here's a better view. 
Instead of trying to stack priorities, live under God's leadership. God himself is over your entire life. This is what it means to follow God, to to walk with Christ. Learn to allow God to manage my time as he sees fit. That's the key. Let God manage my time. As I'm planning my day or my week or my year, I'm asking him for help and wisdom to do what will help my stewardships grow. God, do I need to let this go to focus on my family right now? Do I need to, do I need to let the family go uh, a little bit and focus on this ministry project? Is it, how, let him sort it out for you. Let, let him figure it out. We balance our schedules by giving the right amount of time to each stewardship. And God can help you figure that out as you go along. We balance our schedules by allowing him to lead us as we work through these things. I, I rode a unicycle for a while, and that shocked a couple people in the first, first service. Useless mode of transportation, let me tell you. But I, I did. And the way you ride a unicycle is you constantly have to balance. You adjust. You adjust your weight so that you can stay balanced. You know, side to side, front and back. You have to, and it helps. To stand there doesn't help. You need, it's best if you keep moving in a direction. That's how it is with our time. The key is to keep moving. It's how we balance our schedule. I realized in between services, I, I learned how to juggle when I was younger. I learned how to un, ride the unicycle. And I'm thinking, what in the world was I doing with my younger days? But I'm good. If I have, I have, a, <laughs> I have a backup plan. I can go to the circus if I need to. If I ever need to go to the circus, I can Anyway, I said all that to say this. We balance our schedules by moving and adjusting as we go along, letting God lead us in those adjustments. He'll do it. If you've begun that friendship with him, he lives in you in the person of his Holy Spirit. You can rely on him in the time crunch. You can rely on him and keep asking him, God, help me with this. Looking back at your day, looking back at your week, God, did I use that wisely? How could I do better? What could I do differently? How can I adjust? How can I balance better? How can I give the right amount of time to each stewardship that you've given me? Not a specific amount of time. And you're not going to be able to keep it in a compartment. God's over all of life. It's all important to him. So plan the most important things first. Put them in your schedule. Guard them to the best of your ability. But don't be so rigid that you don't flex to accomplish God's purpose in your days. Because that's where many times the, the, the progress is made as we learn to flex, as we accomplish what we need to do, as we make sure we do that, and then learn the wisdom of letting go of the plan and focusing on the moment. Uh, take some time right now to think through your next steps. We're going to be receiving an offering in a few moments. And so I'd like to ask you, as you think through these steps, just place a check on the connection card by the step that you'd like to take and drop it in the offering and let us know. We'd, we'd let them know that's kind of a way to make a commitment to do that step. But here are the steps. My next step is to memorize Ephesians 5.15. That'd be a great one to memorize, just to remind you to uh, organize for opportunity. And then another step could be to take the time to make a schedule for this week. Maybe you don't normally do that. Take about an hour to, to make a schedule. Block out the, the things that you do every week. Put, put them in a slot. 
do them then. Uh, try to plan your time so that others don't plan it for you or circumstances don't throw you off. Second, uh, then ask God to help me see the opportunity and the challenges I'm facing. Maybe you're frustrated to no end with some things. God, what are you trying to do here? What is the opportunity? How can I give this the time that I need to give it? Factor that in. And then get my priorities straight and allow God to lead me. Maybe, maybe you've just been, maybe you're the kind of person who just has a plan, you work the plan, you try to leave God out of the plan, you just want to go on autopilot. God, would you, would you lead me this week to do what you've laid on my plate to do? And then finally, my next step is to begin a friendship with God today. Maybe you haven't yet turned from going your own way to begin that friendship with him. You, you could make that step uh, just by turning in your heart and asking God to, to lead you and be your ruler. Would you pray with me as the band comes up? Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word, the, just the practical help and the perspective is amazing. And I, I ask you, Lord, that you would uh, help us to, to have the strength and power and just to remember to take the steps that you've laid on our hearts to take this morning. Help us to follow you step by step and to have a heart to please you and, and bring glory and honor to you in the way we live. Help us with this, God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.